Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Welcome everybody. Great to be here with you guys. And um, yeah, it's getting a bit chilly. We were saying this morning it was lovely to have church in the garden, but uh, it's time now because there was this uh, there was this breeze. <laughs> the guys that were sitting in the sun were like, ah, oh, you know. The guys in the shade were like, okay, just hurry up now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we dedicated the two little ones uh, yesterday. They were not that little anymore because it's the first dedication we've had since. Last beginning of last year um, with COVID happening, but yeah, what a what a blessing! Children are a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm saying that partly to remind myself. Don't worry about it. But um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, last night we had um, what you you get to know uh, when you have to do with small children. You'll see something in, um, insignificant or simple like washing hair can become quite an exercise, but uh, we, we're at least beyond the tears and the screaming now, so that's helpful. It was like, ah, my eyes, you know, we passed that now, so, <laughs> um, and it's just, it's just something you get through, but uh, last night it was quite interesting because they had the shave a thing at school for cancer, so they had all kinds of interesting colors in their hair sprayed on, <clears throat> and so we had to get that out of the hair, which made for interesting shampooing, you know, lots of colorful shampoo, um, foam, etc. so it was, it was great fun, and, um, and it reminded me of something that happened last year, just near the beginning of lockdown, actually. Um, David came home from school, and uh, this is our seven-year-old, <coughs> he's probably still six then, but, uh, and I saw something's not, what's, something's different. I was trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And I realized his head is shiny. And I asked him, tell me what's going on here on your scalp. So he told me the story. Him and his friend, uh, they decided it would be a good idea to put a whole bunch, a lot of glitter on their heads. Like, like a lot, 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 lot. Um, and if you know glitter... It's it's sticky, you know, it just sticks everywhere. So it was on his scalp. It wasn't like on his hair on top, it was on his scalp. And like, okay, that's cool. And we thought, oh, maybe in a wash or two it'll be out. Nope. Nope. Like one and a half months later, many washes, he was still as shiny as they come. <laughs> like a very bright <laughs> scalp. Almost like Moses when he came from meeting with the Lord. No. <laughs> Not like that, but um, I ended up shaving his head number two to get that stuff off there. But in any case, a great joy. Hey, something I want to share with you guys, uh, which you can celebrate with us. Um, just about, just over a week ago, Emily, our five-year-old, we, we had a great chat, which has been coming on for a while, obviously, but and she prayed for the first time herself to commit her, Lord, her, way, her life to the Lord. And so she's now knows for sure that she's born again. Isn't that amazing? Let's give God praise for that. Hallelujah. Yeah. So that was awesome. We we watched that uh, movie together. Uh, Heaven is for real. Uh, and obviously we've been chatting about many things, and she's been asking, and obviously she's prayed a lot. But this is the first time that she's going through the whole thing of saying, okay, I, I decide for myself that I want to be a child of God and I want to follow Him. And um, to be honest, as a dad, there's probably not many better things. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, cool. Uh, we're going <laughs> to continue a little bit where we left off two weeks ago um, and... Uh, it was we were chatting about this, um, Joseph a lot, and we were looking at how through all the things that Joseph went through, 
we see the hand of God. And one of the scary things we saw in that account, it's, it's very specifically said that it was not only that God used the bad things that happened to Joseph, but it is some of them he planned like that. Okay? So that was an uncomfortable one. The bad things that happened to Joseph were part of God's plan. Okay? That's hectic. If you don't believe me, go and read it again. But uh, yeah, let's just pray as we get into the scripture. Father, we thank you for your word. Ach, Lord, we're so thankful, God, that you gave us a living word and you gave us your son in human form. And Lord, that you, you manifested yourself to us in such powerful ways, Lord. And this evening, we, we humbly come and we, we thank you for your spirit, that, it, that you're our teacher. We thank you, Lord, that you lead us into all truth. And we yield our hearts to you, and we yield our minds to you, and we ask in the name of Jesus, let your kingdom come in our lives, and our minds, and our hearts, and all of who we are, and let Jesus be shaped and formed in us. Let Christ increase in us, and let, let us decrease, Lord, to your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at the book of Esther. And uh, first, before we do that, actually, I want to read just... Just to backtrack a bit about what we were talking about last week. Um, and Isaiah 55 kind of sums some of that up from verse 8. Uh, I think it is on there. Yes, okay. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that's kind of the kind of the feeling you get when you look at the, the the whole account of Joseph, is that stuff is happening, okay? <laughs> Bad things are happening, good things are happening, stuff up and down, crazy things are happening, um, and then at one point you realize God has got everything in His hands. He's in charge. His ways are higher. We don't understand. Joseph probably didn't have a clue at one point what's going on. But God knows what's going on. He's got a plan. He's, he's still in control. And then to carry on with that in Hebrews 1, verse 2 to 4, it says there, um, But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Huh? Not bad. He upholds the whole universe by the word of His power. And, and then again, that's, the, that's the, the whole essence of what we get when we look at the Scripture, is that all through these accounts of men uh, and nations and um, rising and falling and kingdoms coming and going, we see this the weaving through all of that of the purpose of God, of the plan of God, of the story of redemption for all mankind. And God has got His hand on it. Even though it looks crazy at times, right? He is in control. He is sovereign over all. Now, when we look at the story of Esther, very fascinating, actually, a bunch of, a couple of things around this book. And um, it happens, just to get a bit of context, it happens about 100 years after the, the exile of, you know, after the destruction of Jerusalem, the exile of the Jewish nation. And, then, and after that, in that time, some guys have gone back to Jerusalem already. So Nehemiah and those guys have done their bit. They already did their bit there. But it's not everybody has gone back. And you've got this Jewish community living in this city called Susa in Persia. And the f one fascinating thing about this book is that God is not mentioned one, not even one time. How's that? It's in the Bible that God is not mentioned in this old book. Um, but scholars reckon the, the author, who's anonymous, does this very specifically for a reason. He he, and he illustrates very powerfully through the account of Esther. He illustrates, illustrates the um, preeminence of God, the, the, this fact that God 
is still in control. You know, at the beginning, weird things happen, stuff is like, why is this happening like this? But by the end, it's absolutely clear. There's no other explanation <laughs> for all this that's happened but that God is in control. And He has made it work together exactly like that for His purpose, for the redemption of His people. In any case, so God's not mentioned, and there's a whole bunch of coincidences that happen. <laughs> like I said, but by the end, it's kind of absolutely clear this is only God. There's no other way. And there's a whole bunch of what they call ironic reversals. So, and we'll look at that a bit, uh, just a bit later. Okay, let's read from, okay, okay, just before we read that. <laughs> so, I can't read the whole thing, obviously, but you know the story, most of you will know it. Esther um, is a born an orphan. Oh, no, that doesn't make sense. She's not born an orphan. Shame. But um, she's <laughs> like uh, Adam and Eve. They were born orphans. But anyway, so um, Esther is an orphan. She's um, you know born in a Jewish community in exile. So that's not a good start in itself. Then she's orphaned. She lives with a relative, and. Um, yeah, this is an orphan, a, a, a lady that's an orphan in that time is pretty much an unmarried lady that's an orphan. Is, it's not a good space to be um, in itself. And then she goes from that place to becoming the queen. And we'll just read a little bit about it. There's a beauty pageant. Firstly, the king, which is an interesting character to look at himself. Um, king's name is Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, I don't know how to pronounce that. And uh, also known as Xerxes the first, and um, he seems to have a lot of big parties, a lot of banquets, a lot of feasts, and most of the time he's a, a drunk a lot, and then he makes terrible decisions. And on one of those occasions, he decides that his old queen is finished, and he's going to sort her out and cancel her completely. And then he needs a new queen, and then he goes into this process of having this beauty pageant, and etc., etc., and then. Esther, at that point still called Hadassah, um, comes into the picture. Let's read from Esther chapter 2, verse 15. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Obihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go in to the king, she asked for nothing except what Hegai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh of the year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Um, and then actually I want to jump ahead to the next one as well. Because now already we see God is putting things in place, okay? I, I'm sure Esther must have thought, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> Just the other day, I was a poor orphan girl, not much of a future ahead of me. Now I'm the queen, all right? So I didn't see this one coming. Um, and then Mordecai, also not, not a man of great stature or of any importance, basically, but then something very significant happens, which didn't seem significant at the time. Verse 21. <coughs> In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Dictan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who, who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged at the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Again, like a little bit random. Why would, they, why would this happen? Why would they write this down? But it becomes very significant just a bit later on. So firstly, what we see in, throughout this whole story is um, God is in the background, right? Because he's not mentioned once, but God is at work. It isn't, um, both Mordecai and Esther are not really examples of great moral characters. They go a bunch, their behavior is in many ways against the Torah, against the laws of the day. Um, they're, not, so they're not examples of like great moral standing or anything like that, but they're examples of 
people that even in the midst of difficult circumstance and crazy times being um, in, a di- in, a, in a different country, you know, still being in exile, still putting their trust and their hope in God. Um, and we see this kind of building through the whole story. Uh, and they're a little bit, just like Joseph, unlikely vessels, okay? Joseph started off well. He was his dad's favorite. He had the promises and the dreams and everything. But then just stuff just went badly pear-shaped, you know, in the, as a slave and as a, as a prisoner. And like I mentioned before, similarly, both Esther and Mordecai, not, not like, they don't seem like these guys are going to change the world kind of characters. You, are you with me? And often we think like that. We think like the world. We think, oh, this guy, look at his talent, look at his skills, look at his, his qualifications. He's going to change the world for God, right? But it seems God doesn't think like that at all. Um, and uh, so throughout this account, we see God setting things up, and He chooses unlikely characters, unlikely vessels to do His purpose, to do His will. Uh, and we see that through, despite them still being in exile, and despite God's absence in this story, um, He is absolutely committed to His plan of redemption for His people. He's absolutely committed. He's not abandoned His promises. He's not abandoned His people. Can you see that? Um, and then um, he, he uses the, the faithfulness of these morally compromised people to accomplish His purposes, um, to accomplish His will. Um, so basically what the whole book of Esther is asking us is asking us to Um, Are we willing to trust in God's providence? Are we willing to trust in God's faithfulness and His goodness? To trust that He is working even when we can't see that He's working. Even when we don't understand the plan. I don't know about you, but for me that's a big one. I I like to understand the plan. (laughs) and And unfortunately, I must confess, a part of that is... I want to have a little bit of control because if I understand it, then I can I can feel at least there's some sort of control, right? But it, with God, it's not like doesn't work like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's asked, this book is basically asking us: how, no matter how bad things get, and no matter how bad things look at the time, whether it is in our nation, whether it is in our city, whether it is in your life and your current situation. We can absolutely be convinced that God is committed to His promise and His purpose. He's committed to His plan of redemption. Um, and we are invited to be a part of that. Okay? Let's have a look. So God is continually at work in the background. And I want us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 um, from 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. This is a pattern in Scripture. God does not choose the the obvious. He doesn't choose the the one that we would have chosen. He doesn't choose the the way that we would have chosen. He he chooses... He chooses the redemption, the plan of redemption, in a way that will glorify His name. Amen. And I I believe God is challenging us tonight to to think differently about God and to think differently about how God thinks about us. Because He seems to pick normal, average people like you and I. People with lots of faults. People with sin in their lives. People with doubts and fears. People with, 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 that don't have the right qualifications. That maybe, maybe you think of yourself as, I'm not, I'm not really the kind of world changer kind of person. I'm not, you know, maybe even the enemies maybe convince you that you're not, maybe not really useful to God. Enemy has a way of trying to do that. So I believe this evening God wants to shift our, the way we think. Because we don't determine what's useful to God. Amen. And through the blood of Christ, He qualifies us for 
his purpose and his plan. So maybe you don't think of yourself as important or influential. Maybe you think you you economically challenged or financially challenged that you can't really be useful to God or you know you know you're not really rich or powerful um but i want to say when you and i stay faithful to god when you and i keep our eyes on him keep our hearts on him keep our hope and our trust in him alone he's able to do stuff that we cannot even fathom cannot conceive in our minds through our lives as we allow him as we as we um, stay in step with His Spirit, and as we put our trust in Him, even when we can't see what He's doing, okay? I mean, we can refer to Joseph a lot, but even Esther and Mordecai, in the midst of all that stuff happening, because what happens now is the king uh, appoints this guy, Haman, I can't read the whole thing, so I'll just paraphrase, he appoints this guy, Haman, um, to be a very influential guy in the kingdom, and Haman... um, is full of himself, and he's just, you know, taking kind of uh, really making use of this place of authority for his own gain, and he wants everybody to bow before him, for instance. And then Mordecai refuses to bow. Long story short, Mordecai gets in trouble. He doesn't want to bow because he only bows before God, you know, and then he gets in trouble. Um, Hammond wants to kill him. He finds out he's a Jew. He decides, listen, let, let's just not kill one. We kill all of them. Literally, he wants to kill all the Jews in the, in the whole city, okay? Just wacko guy. <laughs> He's going to wipe the whole gold Jewish community off the face of the earth. And he manages to get this um, weird king to sign a decree again. He's having some kind of a drunken story. And in that drunken state, he manages to convince the king to sign this decree that he's going to literally, by the king's decree, the whole no- all the Jews will be killed at a specific date. Okay, so this is now by the king's decree. And uh, long story short, so this is decreed now. This is going to happen. The na- the, all the Jews are basically in sackcloth and ashes because they're all going to be killed. Um, and then the, there's this interaction between Mordecai and Esther um, in terms of, your, you know what, you, God has put you in this position. Now, maybe this is why. This is why. Maybe this is exactly why. And, uh, um, and Esther's like, yo, this, <laughs> this is hectic. Um, and, and she comes up with this plan. And it's, they have this plan to, to, that she has to approach the king and ask and just kind of ask for some things. But she knows that if she just approaches the king like that without being summoned, she could be killed because that's how the law worked in that society. You can't just approach the king. Even the queen can't just approach the king with some request. She has to be summoned. And she realizes that, that could, this could cost her her life. Um, so the, the, she asks all the Jews to pray and fast with her, trusting God for favor. Um, and... Um, and God turns the thing around. But what's, what's really fascinating, and I just want to actually just finish telling this story so we can go on. But um, so they have this plan and they have some sort of idea, but, but the crux happens when um, the king one night can't sleep. Okay? Um, and again, we see the hand of God in the background working. He can't sleep. Luckily, he's apparently not drunk that evening. But he can't sleep. And he gets somebody to read to him from the Chronicles, the Royal Chronicles. And they read to him, and they read to him that bit about Mordecai exposing the plot. Basically, Mordecai saved his life. And he's like, oh, I forgot about this. I was going to reward this guy, Mordecai. I've completely forgotten. And he gets up, especially <laughs> early next morning, he says, yes, I must honor this man. <laughs> and and uh, Haman thinks he's going to be honored. But at the same time, Haman is so upset with Mordecai that he can't wait for that day that everybody's going to be killed and he's going to kill him and he builds a gallows and a specific you know this, this different translations say it differently but he basically plots to kill him very soon and he already builds the thing that they're going to kill him on and then that same moment when he wants to actually kill Mordecai he ends up having to honor Mordecai and he has to lead him on a horse through the city and, and have everybody honor him so you see this crazy reversal happening you see that Mordecai was about to be killed, and then that night, 
the king can't sleep. And that night, that thing that was so random that happened earlier, you see how all through this, God has got his hand on every detail, and he is still in charge. He is still in control. It seems like the whole Jewish community is going to be wiped, but still God is committed to redeeming his people. And uh, so this, and then, and then um, Esther, you know, exposes Haman. She says, she says to the king that she is a Jew. That Haman wants to destroy the whole nation, and they realize they can't undecree the decree. You can't apparently undo that. So they do a counter decree. It's a whole story. Go read it. Um, which means that the Jews can defend themselves, which turns the whole story around into a massive victory for God's people. But throughout all of this chaos, throughout all of this, what on earth is going on? God is in control. His hand is on His people, and He's committed to the redemption of His people. And He's committed to His plan and His purpose. And I just want to read us just a moment here from Ephesians 6, because this is so much part of what we face daily. I think many of us can maybe relate to this place of, I'm not completely sure why I am where I am right now. <laughs> I know maybe a little bit, but often I have to trust God that I'm in this season that I am in now for a reason that will bring glory to God. Maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense right now, but I have to trust God. And even when the enemy comes against us, even when the enemy seeks to kill us and destroy us, we really realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against, you know, the challenges we face, but our battle is a spiritual one. So I just want to read quickly from Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So all those schemes come through Haman, through the king, through all that stuff coming against him. Um, but actually, there's a spiritual battle happening in the background. For do, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So continually, when you find yourself, so there's two dynamics here. The, the stuff that's coming against us, um, we can't fight that battle in the flesh. And on the, on the other hand, while all this stuff is happening in our lives, while we're facing trials, while we're facing tri tribulations, while we're facing circumstances which we can't really explain, and we can't really see how it fits in with the plan of God, we need to fix our eyes on Him. Amen? And we need to keep our trust in Him, keep our hearts set on Him and knowing that He is faithful. So like I said, even in our nation, you know, when, when we're dealing with corrupt government officials, or we're dealing with corruption on various levels of authority in our nation, or we're dealing with massive challenges on many levels, um, uh, and often we're like, oh, where is God in all of this? How is this possible? Maybe you, again, you're facing challenges at work or in your studies, maybe even in your place where you're staying, there's stuff coming against you, or there's unfair things happening, or there's, there's like um, just so much happening that you can't really figure out, know that we serve a God that is sovereign over all of that. He's still there. He's not forgotten. He's not for forsaken us. His plan remains. His purpose remains. And He is able and willing. Amen? And as we keep our eyes on Him, we keep our trust in Him, His plan will become clear. I just, while I was praying through this, I just had a specific thing on my heart. Um, I just sense that this, one of the challenges that some of us are facing is just with a lot of, um, how can we say it? I saw these storms in minds and thoughts. And I just felt like the Lord saying that there's a, such a lot of battles going on in our minds where we need to trust Him victory. Um, and if that's you this evening, I just feel that God knows about the storms in your mind. He knows. And I feel some of some of us here maybe feel some days like you're literally losing the plot. There's so much chaos happening in your thoughts. 
But I really believe that God is giving us grace to call on Jesus as the Prince of Peace into those situations, into those storms. He's still the one that calms the storms. And so if that's you, I really believe it's grace to invite Christ into your thought life, and to submit your thought life to Him, to His Lordship. Jesus needs to rule in that area of your life. Amen? So what, that might sound like a weird concept, but what we believe and what we think in our heads, <laughs> in our hearts, what we have in our hearts about something shapes what we do, how we live, more than anything else. All right? And uh, if we have ungodly, unscriptural stuff running through our heads and beliefs shaping our actions, um, that just leads to destruction. So I want to encourage you. I believe there's some of us this evening that need to say, deliberately say, Lord Jesus, come and rule in my thought life and in my thoughts and in my heart and the stuff that I carry in my beliefs. Convict me of the things that I am believing about myself and about you, about my situation, which are not true. Um, and show me what your truth. Show me your reality. Show me what you... Um, what is your word over my situation? Amen. That's not part of the sermon. That's for free. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that starts with us taking thoughts captive. Is a um, taking thoughts captive means that before I let this thought run its course, before I let it become an argument in my head, before I let it, before I kind of mull on this thought, I realize this is not of God. This is not the Bible. It's not scriptural. It's not what God says about me. It's a lie from the devil. <laughs> I take it captive, and it's, I refuse to accept this thing in my head right now. I identify it as rubbish, as a lie, and I deliberately choose to say, I will not believe this, and then I meditate on Scripture, or I meditate on what God says. Or I'm, you see, I would replace the lie for the truth, and I do that deliberately. Amen? That's where it starts. Um, Okay, but it's a conscious, constant battle again uh, for God's kingdom to come in our thoughts. Okay. And then I want to read Esther 4, verse 14. So this is that moment where they're kind of wrestling through what's going on. The whole, all the Jews are going to be killed. What are we going to do? And then Mordecai tells her, for if you keep silent at this time, he's, Mordecai is quite a straight shooter. You know, he seems like a not very nice guy, actually. But <laughs> he speaks quite straight with her. He says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. So he's just saying, listen, if you, if you choose not to say anything, God will deliver us irrespectively. In other words, you have a chance to be part of what God's doing, okay? Um, but you and your father's house will perish. And he says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So he's asking him a question. Maybe this is exactly the reason why God has put you in this place. In such a weird way, in such an unexpected way that nobody saw coming. Maybe this is it. It's like this aha moment, like, wow, it starts, this is making sense now. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm sure jo Joseph had a couple of those moments, you know, when, when, he st when he stood before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, you need to be in charge of this process of storing the food. But Joseph must have gone, ah, 13 years, slavery and imprisonment. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's making sense now. And then another nine years later, another moment when he's, brothers come to ask for food, he must have said, ah, okay, God's with me, he's still got a plan. But can you see what I'm saying? We, we need to keep our hearts soft in the difficult seasons so that we don't miss the aha moment when we realize, wow, maybe this is exactly the reason why I'm going through this difficult. Maybe this is the, exactly the reason why I'm in this workplace right now. Maybe this is exactly the reason why I'm studying this course, or I'm in this race, or I'm in this community. You fill in the blanks there. That moment when you think, this is it. 
God's kingdom has come right now. Amen. A while ago, I had a chat with one of the dads that I got to know at the school where our kids are at. And big guy, huge guy, very scary looking, soft heart, amazing guy, but um, big beard. In any case, um, and we got to know each other a little bit through the Biliki rugby. It's actually Bonoki rugby, but... Uh, they just run like a bonoki across the across the field like this. It's like a living organism. Have you seen it? It's amazing. It's like this arms and legs and this moving across the field like this with a ball somewhere in between. But in any case, not great for social distancing. But in any case, so um, we I got to know this guy. And at one stage, I saw he's not looking so like it. You know, so I said, listen, do you want to go and drink a coffee? Have a coffee? And he said, yes. And we had a coffee. And uh, after the coffee, we I said, let's just can we just sit in your car and pray? Because um, it's not like it to pray always in a coffee shop for, for other people. I don't mind, but other guys don't mind. And uh, and we sat in his bucky, and and he said to me that he's been going really rough, and he's actually been wrestling with thoughts of suicide. He hadn't had work for many many months, and his family is struggling. And it was one of those hectic moments where I thought, sure, um, I'm so thankful that the Lord sh- showed me that something was not good and that I could be present enough to actually respond to that unction of the Spirit, you know. And uh, and then it was one of those thoughts where I thought, if this is the only reason, you know, the, the, way, the, the, the way that I'm able to minister to this guy now in this crisis, if this is the only reason why, why my Kids have to be in this school. That's good enough. Are you with me? Although it had to be a good reason because the school fees are quite expensive. <laughs> but, um, but you know, we've been convicted. This is where God wants us to be. And it's one of those moments you think, hallelujah, you know, if, if it's for moments like this, maybe this is the reason. Amen. So I want to encourage you this evening, wherever you find yourself at, Maybe there's a there's a part of your your situation that you can't really figure out. Keep your eyes on him. Amen. Keep your heart stayed on him. Keep your trust and your hope in him. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a specific relationship that you're wrestling with that doesn't make sense or that's challenging you. It's pressing all your buttons. <laughs> maybe there's somebody you're in a work situation where it's you don't really know why God is keeping you there. Because you feel like there must be something better. It doesn't make sense career-wise, maybe. It doesn't make sense on many levels. But you don't. You feel the conviction to still be there. I want to just encourage you, stick it out. Hear God's voice. Listen to what He's saying. There's a reason. Amen. There's a purpose. Um, and trust Him for that moment when you realize, oh, maybe this is it. And most of the time, that reason will be a person. In this case of Esther, a whole group, people group. <laughs> Amen. Most of the time there will be in somebody involved in terms of opportunity to see the kingdom of God coming in a workplace, in a school, in a classroom, in a faculty, in a residence. And you think, oh, this is it. I'm here for such a time as this. And as Phil was saying last week, that time when we... When we s- we don't think of ourselves as, may, you know, giants of faith, but God chooses the unlikely, the fallible, the weak, to, to, to show himself strong. Step out in faith. Step out into what's impossible and, and walk in obedience to what he's saying. Another thing, so what, uh, just to uh, kind of close, there's a bunch of things that happen where it, it starts, the, the book of Esther starts with like a f- banquet and a celebration and Haman being appointed and it ends with Mordecai being appointed in Haman's place. And first, Haman being killed on that same thing that he prepared to kill Mordecai on, right? He gets killed on that thing. Um, he's a reversal that happens, and then Mordecai gets appointed in his place, in a place of authority. Um, 
exactly that the time where the Jews were going to be completely annihilated becomes a, a, a moment of victory for them. And there's a bunch of these things that happen. And, and in this way, Esther also points to the cross, this book of Esther. Nowhere in all of history was that it's, were the powers of darkness or did they seem stronger than at that point? All right, Jesus on the cross, defeated. They've won. They thought this is it. <laughs> this is our moment. Our plans have worked. No, no, none, nowhere in all of history were the, did the powers of darkness seem as strong as that moment. But in that exact moment where they thought they had overcome, where they thought they had defeated Christ, He won His greatest victory. He had victory over sin and death, and he rose from the grave. In that moment, which was supposed to be the greatest victory against Christ, was turned into his greatest victory. And uh, that's often how God works. Is the moments where we feel like this is the end of me, this is my destruction. God is a way of making it work for his victory and for his glory in our lives. Okay, let's stand this evening. We're going to pray together. I want to trust that that when you come like Esther to that place, that our hearts will be ready. That's a, but that's one thing that you pick up. They're not perfect people. They have their faults. They have their challenges. They have their doubts. They have their fears. But they do they do this very important thing. They get everybody to fast and pray together. I believe that was a massive shift. So that's a clue for us. Please join us tomorrow. <laughs> fast and pray. But um, this moment we we. we and Mordecai says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's saying, maybe this is exactly the reason why God has put you here. And that is my prayer for each one of us, that, that we will have those moments a, a lot. That there will be often moments when we realize, wow, this is, this is part of the reason I'm in this city. This is part of the reason I'm on this campus. I'm seeking God's kingdom. I'm trusting for people to be saved in this in my workplace. I'm trusting for his kingdom to come, and that moments will come, and it's like, yes, Lord, this is it. It makes sense now. Let your kingdom come. Even though it's a difficult season, even though I don't understand all of it, let your kingdom come. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word. Lord, we look to you, and we are in awe of your faithfulness. We are in awe of your omnipotence, your great power at work, your omnipresence, Lord, of your sovereign rule over all of creation, the fact that you still sustain and uphold the entire universe, the entire created order by the power of your word, Lord, your, your, word, your power at work through your word, God. We cannot fathom it, Lord. But at the same same time we're so grateful because we're so excited because this is true lord and even when we are clueless you are still at work even when we cannot see even when we get discouraged even when we get want to lose hope and especially when we want to give up lord you have not discarded us you've not forgotten us you've not this um you've not um, gone back on your word. You remain faithful to your promise, God. And I just declare that over every heart in this place, every heart that's discouraged, every heart that wants to give up, every heart that's got many more questions than answers right now. We thank you for hope in you, in Jesus' name. Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And I speak over those minds and hearts that are facing so many storms, so many assignments of the enemy that want to create chaos in our thoughts and want to distract us in our minds, we declare order in the name of Jesus. We declare peace in hearts and minds tonight in the name
come, Lord Jesus, and reign in hearts and minds as the Prince of Peace in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Oh, Lord, you know every heart. You know every person. I thank you right now just for a grace for us to yield to you again. Say, God, I trust you, Lord, even when I cannot see you working. Even I cannot, when I cannot see you working in our nation, or when I struggle to see you working in my situation or my, my environment, I believe, Lord, you are still at work. And your kingdom is coming. And your glory will be made manifest. In Jesus' name. And just for a moment, as every eye is closed, just where you're standing, if there's a specific situation that you're wrestling through, or there's something maybe that that you haven't been able to see the hand of God in, just yield that situation to Him right now in Jesus' name. Just, just say it verbally, just under your breath if you need to, just between you and God. Say, God, I trust you with this thing, this relationship or this job or this difficult thing. I trust you. This season doesn't make sense or this doesn't make sense, but I can't figure this out or I'm not sure about this, but Lord, I trust you, God. I yield it to you again. Let your name be glorified. Glorify yourself, Lord, in my life. Glorify yourself, God. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Help me to have my heart soft and ready to recognize the moment when I say, okay, this makes sense, Lord. This is what I need to do. Let your kingdom come. Thank you, Father. And as every eye is still closed, as we just want to pray for a bit more. I just, or if you're here in this place this evening and you have not yet laid down your life like Emily did the other night, you have not yet submitted to God as Lord and Savior, submitted to Christ as Lord and Savior over your life, if you have not yet got that absolute assurance in your heart that you are born again and that you are child of God and that you have eternal life. And I believe this evening the Father is calling your name. And I believe he's inviting you to come to come to him. I believe he's extending an invitation to you to say, come my child. I want to know you. I've prepared great things for you. I, I want to relieve you of your sin and shame and guilt. And I want to set you free of sin and death. He's inviting you to know Him. Maybe you have been a place in a place where you have been close to God, but right now you feel far from Him. You feel you're not right with Him. You feel this stuff in between you and God, and you want to come close to Him again. You want to draw near to Him again. It would be my absolute privilege to pray with you. So if that's you, if you want to for the first time want to lay down your life and yield to Him as Lord and Savior, why don't you raise your hand? Just while every eye is closed, why don't you raise your hand for a moment? Give me a privilege to pray with you. Is there anybody like that? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, Father, yeah, and if, especially if you, maybe that person, while every eye is still closed, if you are wrestling with storms in your mind, you're wrestling with so many assignments, it seems like stuff coming at you in your thought life. I just sense to just where you stand, just to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you forward, but just to say, Lord, here I am. I need you to come and reign in my thoughts and in my, in the storm in my head. I need your peace right now. Just raise your hand. Just say, yeah, I am God. Father, you see the hands, you see the hearts. In the name of Jesus, we speak your peace right now in Jesus' name. You see every heart. You see the minds. You see the storms. In the name of Jesus, we speak peace over every storm in Jesus' name. We command the wind to cease. We command the waves to quieten down. In the name of Jesus, with this disorder, with this chaos, we speak divine order into thoughts now in the name of Jesus. Where there's ungodly thoughts or thoughts of 
uh, that have come from the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. We take every thought captive, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ in our thoughts, in our lives. We take captive now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we open our hearts and minds to say, Holy Spirit, speak your word in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we, we thank you that as we read the scripture, as we worship, as we spend time in your presence, God, come and do a brainwash, Lord. Come and wash our brain of what's not of you and fill us with your presence, fill us with your word, fill us with your, your purposes and your plans, fill us, Lord, to overflowing, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks so much, guys, for being here this evening. If Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.